BakerBots LLP provides podcasts for educational purposes only. They are not legal advice and are not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship. This communication may constitute attorney advertising. Happy New Year, and welcome to the Environmental Evolutions Podcast, where we explore the changing landscape of environmental law and policy. I'm your host, Megan Burge. I'm excited to share today's podcast with you. It's the New Year's episode. And just like with last year's episode, I will introduce you to some of my amazing colleagues and ask them to share both a fun fact about themselves and what issues they are watching in 2024. Last year, we heard fun facts ranging from playing football with Peyton Manning to winning best teeth competitions in South Korea. Let's see where the podcast takes us this year. Kicking us off today is my partner from our DC office, Shay Sahai. What fun fact have you prepared to share with listeners today and what are you watching for 2024? Awesome. Well, Megan, thank you so much for having me on the podcast today. Really excited to be here. So the number one fun fact is that I'm a long-suffering but still hopeful hopeful Buffalo Bills fan. Started loving them slightly before they were cool in the mid-80s and have stuck with them, I guess, like almost 40 years now. Still waiting for that Super Bowl ring. Still hopeful that it's this year, along with the rest of the Bills Mafia. Really excited for this upcoming game. I guess... By the time this podcast hit, this podcast hits, I'm either going to be really excited or really sad, which is the end result in a typical year. So, <laughs> I like the optimistic outlook that you have, Shay. Thank you for sharing that fun fact. What are you watching in 2024? Three things I'm watching are climate, climate, and climate <laughs> for this year. Uh, the spring, especially, is going to be particularly exciting. But one development that recently came out was the low carbon fuel standard proposal in California. They're obviously ratcheting down the stringency of that program, introducing sustainability requirements, bringing aviation fuel in the fold. So, a lot going there uh, in terms of complexity, kind of exciting developments in the climate space. In D.C., the uh, Treasury Department recently issued uh, guidance under 40B for the SAF tax credit. We'll also be expecting 45Z guidance. So those will be big in shaping the incentives uh, in the biofuel space. Obviously, the 45V uh, guidance is also out there. We've got a lot of clients interested in that, um, the way that it treats green and blue hydrogen. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how that program develops over time. And then there's all the EPA activity, right? So we're still going to see the final uh, vehicle greenhouse gas rule coming out. We're still going to see the final power plant rule. So I think in the climate area, obviously, there's going to be a ton to pay attention to in 2024 as a whole. But frankly, all the things that I mentioned are maybe the first six months of 2024, right? So the next several months are going to be a really exciting time period for climate law, both at the state and federal level. Q1 and Q2 are going to just be absolutely crazy. All right, Shay. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you for sharing what you're watching for in 2024. Great. Thank you, Megan. Really looking forward to working with you on these issues uh, and working with our wonderful clients as well. Let's turn now to my partner, Stephanie Bergeron-Purdue, former Deputy Executive Director of the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality. 
affectionately known around Texas as TCEQ. Stephanie, what fun fact do you want to share with listeners today? Hey, Megan, thank you. One fun fact is I was able to work abroad in both London and Paris after finishing at University of Texas. And it was an amazing experience. And I think it really informed on my appreciation for other cultures throughout my professional life. Very fun, Stephanie. And what are you watching in 2024? The issue I'm watching for 2024 is this tension that comes with global CO2 reduction targets and the CO2 reduction tools that we have, for example, carbon capture sequestration. There's opposition to the continued production of fossil fuels, but yet we have to rely on that for certain products. So how do we realize the necessary CO2 reductions that have been called for at the global level as well as the national level? Yeah, Stephanie, if you have an easy answer to that one, um, you're going to have a whole new job soon. All right. Well, that is a heck of an issue to be watching for 2024. Thanks so much. Thanks, Megan. I appreciate it. Happy New Year. All right, listeners. Up next is my partner in Washington, D.C., Jeff Wood. Jeff is a returning guest for the New Year's episode. So, Jeff, what fun fact do you have prepared for listeners this year? Last year, I talked about my trip to London and getting to meet Prince William, which I thought was pretty cool. And I don't know if I can beat that this year. But in light of the sad news recently of the passing of First Lady Rosalind Carter, I thought it was really cool to think back to around 20 years ago when I was able to visit President Carter and the First Lady in Plains, Georgia, and meet them both and get a photo, which was a real honor. I thought back to that time in watching the news over the last couple of weeks. Jeff, I appreciate that your fun facts are always rooted in current events. What issue are you watching for this year in 2024? I'm continuing to watch EPA's enforcement program with David Ullman stepping in now as the Senate confirmed leader of the enforcement office. EPA has a final year in the current administration to move forward on their priority and policy agenda. EPA earlier in, in 2023 announced their new national enforcement and compliance initiatives. Some of those were new to the list, uh, mitigating climate change, addressing exposure to PFAS were two of the top new issues, along with protecting communities from coal ash contamination. And EPA is also committed to continuing an enforcement program aimed at reducing air toxics in overburdened communities, as well as increasing compliance with drinking water standards, as well as chemical accident risk reduction programs. So those are areas where EPA has said they want to prioritize in the next several years. And so we'll be looking at that and seeing if it actually does affect on the ground enforcement decisions. Jeff, what do you think the agency is thinking when it talks about addressing climate change and PFAS? I think EPA intends to address what they view as three significant contributors to climate change. Those are areas that they'll focus on methane emissions from oil and gas facilities and landfills, as well as the use, importation and production of HFCs, which are viewed as contributing to climate change as well. According to EPA's enforcement memo, they plan to focus on enforcement of air pollution requirements such as NSPS at oil and gas facilities, which EPA uh, believes can achieve the ancillary benefit of reducing methane emissions as well. So that's uh, on the area of climate change. On PFAS, which is the issue du jour across the board, 
the key goals of EPA's enforcement and compliance initiatives are to achieve site characterization, to control ongoing releases that pose a threat to human health and the environment, and to ensure compliance with permits and other agreements to prevent and address PFAS contamination where it might exist. And while PFAS is certainly still an emerging issue, it's a topic that's getting front page news coverage uh, almost every day in communities around the country. And so EPA will certainly begin to focus more of its compliance and enforcement resources on that issue. I guess folks in those industries who are dealing with those pollutants should buckle up because it's going to be a big year. Yeah, I think so. I think you'll see EPA focusing more attention on it and also providing more guidance on where they plan to target the resources. And Megan, thanks for having me. I look forward to next year. Yeah, we'll make it third time's the charm. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Joining us now is my partner from Houston, Texas, Matt Carilla. Matt, what fun fact have you prepared to share with listeners today? Well, I am currently learning the guitar lead part to ACDC's TNT. Oh my gosh. My seven-year-old son would be wildly approving of this decision. That's awesome, Matt. What issues are you watching for in 2024? I think the biggest issue that we're watching is Clean Air Act court decisions. And in particular, the one that's most interesting to me is decisions of courts that are currently considering challenges to EPA's ozone transport rules. Full disclosure, we represent petitioners in a couple of the key cases. But just a little bit of review, early last year, EPA finalized rules that would impose mandates on electric power plants, pipeline engines, and several other U.S. industries. In the past, this uh, regulatory regime has been focused on electric power, but EPA decided to broaden it this time, which broadened the, the level of interest in it. What's most interesting is that the rules were also challenged in the regional circuits, such as the Fifth Circuit, United States Court of Appeals in New Orleans, which has jurisdiction over Texas issues. So what's to watch about these cases? I think one key thing to watch is how much deference does EPA owe the states? Or really, put another way, between EPA and the states, who defers to whom? This is especially important in implementing state plans, which we call SIPs. Do states have flexibility to chart their own way, or does EPA write them templates that they're required to follow? The decisions that we'll see this coming year are going to set precedents that we'll be living with for many, many years to come. All right, Matt, it sounds like you're grabbing a bucket of popcorn and we'll be watching a wide array of court activity this year. couple of buckets of popcorn. couple of buckets of popcorn. All right. Thank you so much for joining us and have a happy new year. All right. Thanks so much for having us. My next guest is Deborah Jesuit joining us from our DC office. Deborah, what fun fact have you prepared to share today? One fun fact. I have learned over the course of my lifetime five different languages besides English. So I can't say that I speak most of them very well anymore, but I did learn them. I've learned Spanish, German, Portuguese, French, and Quechua. For Quechua, I basically only learned to speak about maybe a kindergarten level, probably even a little bit below that, but I did learn to count to 100. Good fun fact, Deborah. All right, let's talk about 2024. What issue are you watching for in 2024? So I'm watching to see what EPA does with the final Section 111 
rulemakings for greenhouse gas emissions for power plants because they are supposed to come out this spring. I think it will be very interesting to see if the third time's the charm for EPA since they've tried twice before, at least on the existing power plants to regulate greenhouse gas emissions. I don't think they'll be successful this time if they do anything like the proposal only because the proposed rule would have required certain power plants to meet greenhouse gas standards based on carbon capture and storage or co-firing of natural gas and low greenhouse gas hydrogen. I think that that is going to be a stretch for EPA because both of those technologies require infrastructure that's not yet in place. I think they'll absolutely face challenges to the rules if that's how they come out when they're final. So it will be interesting to see how it all plays out. Yeah, great point, Deborah. So what else? The other thing is I'm watching to see what the Supreme Court is going to do um, with the Chevron Doctrine in Loper Bright Enterprises versus Raimundo. So under the Chevron Doctrine, the court is supposed to give the federal agencies deference as long as their interpretation of a statute is reasonable. And so if the Supreme Court narrows or eliminates the Chevron deference, that's going to significantly hamper EPA's regulatory authority, since, as we all know, environmental statutes are not exactly a model of clarity, particularly the Clean Air Act. So I think that, you know, that'll all be very interesting to see. It certainly sounds like it's shaping up to be an exciting year for the Clean Air Act. I agree with you. It's going to be exciting and we'll see what happens. All right, Deborah. Well, thank you for joining us today, and we'll hear more from you in 2024. Well, it was great seeing you. Happy New Year. Our next guest is Scott Novak, my colleague from our D.C. office. Scott, so why don't we start with the fun fact? Thank you, Megan. Appreciate being on the podcast. So fun fact about myself is, as you know, I love all things music, especially live music. Before coming to Baker Botts and going to law school, I was a pianist, and this past December, I performed the traditional holiday carol, Let It Go, from Disney's Frozen on piano with a string quartet for a holiday party. So that was a lot of fun. My only complaint is that my children were not invited. (laughs) If you wanted some vocal accompaniment, my 7, 10, and 4-year-old all have that thing memorized by heart. Oh, excellent. We would be glad to have them join next time. (laughs) Off of the fun fact, which was quite amazing, let's go to what you're watching in 2024. One trend I'm watching out for in 2024 is gas appliance bans. In July 2019, the city of Berkeley adopted an ordinance prohibiting gas hookups from the point of delivery at the gas meter in new construction. Later that year, in November, the California Restaurant Association filed a lawsuit challenging the ordinance, claiming, among other things, that the Energy Policy and Conservation Act, or EPCA for short, preempts the ordinance. Now, EPCA specifically preempts regulations concerning the energy efficiency or energy use of EPCA-covered products unless certain exemptions are met. Now, in 2021, the district court determined that EPCA did not preempt Berkeley's ordinance, but a Ninth Circuit panel reversed this decision on April 17, 2023. The city of Berkeley filed a petition for en banc review, but just a few days ago on January 2, 2024, the Ninth Circuit issued an order denying that petition, as well as an amended panel opinion. The amended panel opinion states, quote, by its plain text and structure, EPCA's preemption provision also encompasses building codes concerning the energy use of covered products, and thus EPCA preempts Berkeley's building code 
because it prohibits natural gas piping in new construction buildings from the point of delivery at the gas meter, end quote. The city of Berkeley has until April 1st, 2024 to appeal the decision to the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, this decision could be particularly consequential because it's not the last time we're going to see this issue. New York's recent ban on gas appliances is being challenged in the Second Circuit. And given the rising trend in gas appliance restrictions across the country, this likely won't be the last lawsuit we'll see in this vein. So, Scott, it's already been an exciting 2024 for you and only more to come. Yes, Megan, it certainly has been an exciting year so far. And full disclosure for our listeners, we represented Amiki in support of the California Restaurant Association in the Berkeley case. More to come. And Scott, I hope you have a wonderful start to your new year. And thank you for joining us. Thank you. Happy New Year. And rounding us out for this episode is my partner, Alex Dunn, from our D.C. office. Alex is another repeat guest. So, Alex, what is your fun fact for this year's episode? My fun fact is that in September, I am going to hike for over a week in Spain. And I'm going to have to train for that all year long. That is amazing. Okay, Alex, let's turn to what you're watching in 2024. Well, I'm going to need to take that hike after what's going on in 2024, let me tell you. So I focus a lot on environmental justice, and I am confident of three things that I think our pod listeners will want to know about. One EPA is going to continue sprinting across this political finish line with environmental justice. In December, EPA released its enforcement report and indicated that they've added over 300 new positions to the enforcement program. Most of those are out in the regions, which means there's more boots on the ground looking at facilities. And believe it or not, EPA increased its inspections last year and will continue to. And 60% of them were in EJ communities. Coupled with that, over half of their enforcement actions and settlements were in EJ communities. That's certainly following through on the executive order set out by President Biden at the start of this administration. Yeah, the president and his entire team are really making good on the executive order that was issued on Earth Day of last year, which even gave a brand new definition of environmental justice that expands it in ways that reflect what communities want, but in ways that we haven't really seen before. And so related to that, something else I'm watching is coming out, hopefully in the first half of 2024, is going to be an update to a document from 2016, which is how to consider environmental justice in the rulemaking process to ensure greater consistency. So everyone's been wondering how EJ is going to impact their operations, but this is really how EJ is going to impact regulatory analysis and EPA's assessment of communities and its regulatory options. So given that this document hasn't been updated since 2016, 
and that EPA on December 28th extended the comment deadline just a little bit to the end of January. I think this is something that we're really going to want to be watching for. You can see how important that would be in terms of agencies have choices when they're designing these rules, and that's going to be an important input, it sounds like. Well, and it's going to look at things like multiple stressors and hotspots and uh, vulnerability and terminology and definitions and how all of that goes into regulation development. And then I'll tell you the last thing. Well, I've got two things that I'm looking at on top of these two. One, we are waiting for EPA's cumulative impact guidance, which was drafted originally in 2003. So it's now 2024. And the agency put it out in June of last year and took comment through late summer. So we're expecting to see an entire set of guidelines come out of EPA on how cumulative impacts are going to be assessed. And that means that how are we looking at the definition of the totality of people's exposures to combinations of chemical and non-chemical stressors on their health and well-being and quality of life? So this guidance document coming out of EPA after more than 20 years is going to be really, really important a 20-year buildup is setting quite the bar. Well, I just think my son, who was born in 2003, and was this adorable little nine-pound thing. And now he's just under 200 pounds. So yeah, let's hope that this new guidance doesn't weigh 200 pounds when it comes out. But what a great metaphor for this document. And Alice, I think you said you had one more thing for listeners. Don't forget to look at the intersection of environmental justice and energy justice. This is the term that everyone's using now is energy justice. If you're wondering what energy justice is, you can find a definition on DOE's website, but it has to do with almost a right to healthy, sustainable energy production, energy infrastructure that's the best available, affordable energy, and the right to uninterrupted energy service. So let's think about how we're going to roll those things into everything else I've been talking about. But this is the year, 2024, that environmental justice is going to meet energy justice. All right, Alex, thank you for sharing those with us today and have a wonderful new year. Happy new year, Megan. All right, Megan, now that we've heard from all of your colleagues, what is your fun fact to share this year? First of all, this is Bonnell Martin our amazing producer here at BakerBots who makes all this magic happen. So a big thank you to Bonnell. My fun fact is that I'm an avid reader of books without substance to especially include science fiction and fantasy novels. I liked George R.R. R. Martin books before there was a TV show. And my husband finds it absolutely hilarious that I'm extremely angry with him for never finishing that series. My high school self is still very upset at the lack of closure. In addition to your fun fact, what are you watching this year? So many things, which is actually why I asked this firm to let me do the podcast in the first place, if you remember correctly. However, in terms of this year, I'm watching a wide array of issues, some of which have already been t spoken about or touched on by a number of our guests today, and I won't repeat those. But I will add to that list 
The first is speech-based litigation. The second is the tsunami of federal regulations that are coming out or will be implemented by multiple agencies, not just EPA, and we talked about EPA a lot today, and the fate of Chevron deference in the court. First, speech-based litigation has become a preferred tool for activists, plaintiffs, lawyers, and attorneys general to advance environmental policies in recent years. At the same time, companies are being driven to speak more often and publicly about the environmental attributes of their products, whether this is through ESG pressures or mandatory climate disclosures like those that were just passed in California. Over this next year in 2024, we are going to see substantive decisions on key motions in a significant number of these cases start to come down. And those decisions will create a body of case law that either cements speech-based, consumer protection-based laws as a key tool for enforcing environmental policy or limit the availability of this avenue. Second, you've heard from Shay, Deborah, Alex, and others about the tsunami of regulations that will be issued or implemented by the federal government in 2024. But I'm gonna underline a few of them and add a couple to the list. In the power sector alone, EPA is slated to issue new regulations on regional haze, mercury, CO2, and legacy coal ash sites in 2024. This is in addition to EPA regulations impacting all the things that go, planes, trucks, and automobiles and curtailing methane emissions from the upstream oil and gas sector. The SEC is poised to issue its final rule mandating disclosure of climate liabilities from public companies. The FTC is in the process of revamping its guidance for advertising environmental attributes for products known as the Green Guides. FIMSA is set to issue new and expanded pipeline safety regulations. And last but not least are a host of DOE regulations setting new efficiency standards for consumer and industrial products. The fact is 2024 is the culmination of the executive orders issued by President Biden at the beginning of his term, ordering a whole government approach to climate change and environmental justice. And finally, whether any of those regulations survive will be shaped by the Supreme Court ruling that was flagged earlier in the podcast by Deborah Jesuit. The court is poised to reshape the relationship between agencies that promulgate regulations and the courts that review them and could constitute the biggest rebalancing of power between the judicial and executive branches in 40 years. So if we know one thing about 2024, it's that it's not going to be boring when it comes to environmental law and policy. I'm looking forward to following these and other developments here on the podcast, and I wish all of the listeners a happy new year, and thank you for spending time with me. Thank you for listening to this BakerBots podcast. BakerBots has the experience, knowledge, and people to address our clients' most significant legal issues. For more information on BakerBots practices, please visit us at bakerbots.com. This presentation is provided by BakerBots LLP for educational and informational purposes only. It is not legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship. Under the rules of certain jurisdictions, this communication may constitute attorney advertising.